agriculture is constantly under attack, and you, the ag teachers, are the frontline defense. Today we get to talk to the farm babe as she discusses how we can advocate for agriculture. Welcome to Alpellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Alpellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Hello, Al Pellet crew. We have a special podcast today. Wow, special. And not tinfoil hat special. Yes. I told Brian, I said, when, I said, do you think she would do a podcast with us? And he said, yeah. I said, Brian, it's the farm babe. I feel like I'm asking someone out to prom. Yeah. <laughs> what? She says no, and I get rejected. And it's special because of the guests, not because of us. Right. <laughs> Wait, we're going to prom now? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. I didn't even get a... With like, all three of us. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of cheap ass. <laughs> She's figured us out. But you're now a member of the team. <laughs> we know where the beer party is. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, today's critical conversation is we are getting to record a podcast and talk to the farm babe. And this, she has this amazing following on social media. She's fighting for agriculture and trying to help use science to make good decisions. And so today's critical conversation is clearly, recently especially, we're under attack in agriculture. And ag education programs at the secondary level are one of the primary mechanisms to help equip and grow both consumers and producers. But how do we do that well and not be you know, drawn into the, the drama? Or how do we do that well? That's the critical conversation up for today. I think it makes sense that we start, start out by welcoming the farm babe and letting you start out by saying hi. Hi. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to just talk about it. And yeah, it's so true. There's, there's so much that we have to think about all the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think social media has just been such a good outlet to tell the story of agriculture and, um, you know, working with influencers. I'm hoping that we can do a little bit more on the, the celebrity front and, you know, some of the biggest voices that, you know, send out one t- tweet and reach 100 million people or yeah. get some more. So, so share with us just a little bit of your background because I think you got an interesting story and provides a context for um, how we counter some of the image issues that we have in agriculture yeah for sure so i live in northeast iowa with my boyfriend on our farm it's uh, 2200 acres mostly corn and soybeans a little bit of hay and oats and we raise uh, beef cattle and sheep Uh, so i've been on the farm with him for a little over five years but before that in my 20s and for college i lived in los angeles and chicago so a lot of my time there meant I fell victim to pretty much every food myth under the sun. <laughs> so I was the girl that watched the movie Food, Inc. and took it as gospel and only uh, had to buy hormone-free chicken and was an anti, uh, was a, uh, anti-GMO activist and all those things you know going on that people hear about. So, um, you know, when I met my, my Iowa farmer, I realized everything I thought I knew was wrong. And so it's really kind of given me, uh, I guess, a little fuel to my fire, if you will. We fight back with my wallet and all yeah. the money I spent at the grocery <laughs> store that I probably didn't need to. <laughs> Gotta pay extra for that hormone and antibiotic free chicken, you know. Right. 
<laughs> so we've got these, you know, you were talking about today, we all got to hear a great presentation about um, social media and how we can have, we can use that influence. But, you know, I think the hard thing here is as an ag teacher, I, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but um, when we were, at, well, as a state officer, actually, <clears throat> we were at the state fair, at the New Mexico State Fair, and we had a, a petting booth that was put on by ag education. Well, every year, the biggest problem was PETA would always come and pick it outside the booth. And when the baby goats were born, they picketed it all night and they wouldn't leave. And it was very irrational. And our response, which was very logical as farm kids, like our very rational, logical response to them was we would go get a turkey leg and take a couple bites and then leave it in the PETA donation box. Ah. <laughs> and so that was like our, oh, yeah, well, you can stay here all day, but we, um, we'll take care of you with this turkey leg. And oh so, gosh. you know, as I look back, that response is as equally irrational <laughs> as the response. And I think sometimes as an ag teacher, sometimes these, these critiques actually make us think and reflect. And so sometimes I think there could be some value in the, in the critiques in making us really always question our practice and think about the science of what we do. So it seems to me that our response could really be powerful, but it could be equally irrational. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I wonder how we do that well. So I think going back to some of the experiences you've had, when we talk as ag teachers, they're in the local communities. So you have this national, international influence. They're dealing with influence, and you know, most times ag teachers and the ag program are high influencers locally. So what are some things that you've seen from your experience that they could be doing locally to address some of the things so we're not putting turkey legs in donation boxes, <laughs> you know, doing, doing that next kind of thing that you're seeing happening, either through social media or other kind of interactions they can have because they're facing things where people come up and they're in their face when they're at a fair or at an FFA event, yeah. those sort of things. That's interesting. It's interesting because, to be honest, like I, I haven't personally experienced that. So... But I, I kind of want to. Like, I always wonder, like, what would happen if I was, like, face-to-face -face with one of these activists? Like, there's actually a pretty big part of me that I'm, like, I'm going go, to go to a vegan fest. Like, I want to, like, I want to go to these conferences and, like, you know, I want to go undercover with a camera and expose them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like they're trying to be so sneaky. But at the same time, their, their methodology behind planting their ideas and going about everything so... Method, you know, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just so methodic strategy, it's yeah, strategic, yeah. like, like all this strategic. stuff. For, yeah, it's all their strategic, but but you know, however, they're doing this where they manage to get it on in every major news outlet on the same day, the same time. Um, and I know that they're funding a lot of like the Guardian for example yeah. they got like a $900,000 grant so they're putting a ton of money into the media so I'm getting off on a little tangent here but how would we do that in the community um that's a great question and I always just try to have a really rational conversation and find a common ground but it's hard to say with an extremist because there's been times where I've had conversations and I thought to myself afterwards oh that was really successful and then there's times where I think Oh, I kind of, I kind of acted a little too knee jerk on that one. So I think we're always looking for ways to practice and get better, and that comes with, um, well, ways to get better, which kind of come with practice. But we don't get to practice that right. a lot. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Well, I think as that is, we have, as that teachers, we need to help our students practice. 
so that the first time this 13-year-old standing there at the fair or standing there at the at the ag exhibit or whatever else, that's not the first time they have to be thinking about how I'm going to react yeah. if somebody comes up. And, and maybe they're not being in your face. Maybe it's somebody that asks a, a real question. It's like, how can you dare eat this little animal or how dare you do this? And they're not trying to be, but how do, you, how do we answer that question so that we're not causing more trouble? Yeah. But I think as ag teachers, we need to make sure that in our programs, whatever we're talking about, whether it's animal science, plant science, or whatever else, we're spending some time to, to work with our students to look at the work you're doing, yeah. look at the work other folks are doing to prepare them to say, yeah, that's like when it comes up, how are you going to respond? Yeah. And not res- that's going to be their new, new thing, not respond with the turkey leg in the box. Right. Don't put a turkey leg in the box. <laughs> Although that's kind of funny. I remember the first time I saw some activists outside of KFC. I think I was probably like 13 or 14 at the time. That's the first time I ever saw that. And these activists were standing outside protesting KFC, and then we drove past later on that afternoon, and there was some guy just sitting there with a bucket of chicken and <laughs> it right in front of him. I was like, oh my God, that's really funny. But at the end of the day, I mean, I guess what I found explaining is like, everything dies. Like, yeah. you know, we can sit here and say, oh, you're so wrong of you to eat animals or whatever they want to say, but it's like, your animals are going to die too. You're going to die. I'm going to die. The cow's going to die. Your cat's going to die just so happens that the cow comes with a recipe that's the only difference (laughs) you know and it's like say it how you want it is what it is but it's you know it's like they're acting so irrational like you're going to save the animal why so you can euthanize it in five years and oh but by the way they're trying to stop climate change and and mitigate our g or our carbon footprint it's like so if you want all these animals to live forever you know the carbon footprint of livestock is going to like go through the roof right like which is it i don't know Well, and it seems like there's um, – you talked about today in your presentation this idea of, like, they do a phenomenal job telling their story. Mm-hmm. And, like, we need to get out there and do – sometimes I think we're so – one of your points today that really stood out to me was we are so confident in our practices and we know that our practices are sound. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're perfect. I saw things on my parents' farm that I'm like, ooh, that – we could improve that. But you know what? My dad improved that. Right. And my dad would go to New Mexico State or Texas Tech and ask for scientists to help him improve that practice. There were constantly people on our farm helping us manage cattle, mm-hmm. helping us had, hand, ma- manage how we build facilities, helping us raise peanuts that required less <clears throat> water and had less mold. Um, we were constantly engaged in improvement. So the nice thing is... You know, we, we are not holding a position that, you know, we do not have plastic lambs that we're trying to make look like we, like we're not lying and faking things. Right. So we're at the winning end of that. If right. we Like we can show a lamb on our farm that's being produced sustainably and with ethics uh-huh. and we have the real lamb and the real practice. Right. Exactly. And, you know. There are things that are wrong, you know, like the, the video a while back of the forklift picking up the sick dairy cow. Mm-hmm. That was in my hometown. Oh, really? That was wrong. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible practice. That was a bad decision and owning that. But that's not the, the common practice. Right. So, I mean, we're on the winning end of the argument, it seems. Well, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is I think our industry is the kind of thing that, like, you kind of have to see it. Like, I feel like agriculture in general is such a hands-on You know, coming from a city background like I had, where I refused to buy any sort of factory farm meat, I mean, I only had to buy organic from Whole Foods, like, right? Because Mm -hmm. this is what I was, I mean, I was an expert because I watched Food Inc. Um, (laughs) um, But, you know, now that I've seen the other side and have come around, 
these whole, the whole factory farm thing blows my mind in the most impressive way possible. I wish I could take every single person and bring them on these so-called factory farms so they could see the computers and the technology and the biosecurity and the health and the happiness of these animals and how we're raising more with less less resources and now their their care is always our first priority and but it's so hard to explain that unless people see it with their own two eyes. It's such a visual hands-on, like, yeah, we can talk about GMOs are great and livestock is, is well cared for, but unless you're there where you just go, holy crap. Um, I think it's important personally that we're, that food, food companies um, are forthright with getting influencers on their farms because an influencer, a blogger that can reach millions of people, and we have to venture outside of agriculture. Like, I continue to go on farms, which is great, but, like, can I bring some friends? <laughs> because I've got some great people that, whether they're in reaching millions of downloads on podcasts or whether they're reaching millions of people on Facebook or Instagram, it's like they're influencers, and they're talking to people that don't know about agriculture. So that, I think, could be really impressive. Like, we're, we might not be able to get the top celebrities, Natalie Portman's not going to change her mind tomorrow, okay? But who can we talk to that's an influencer that can see it and share it in their own words? Yeah, one of those things that was a take-home message for me this morning when you, uh, as part of your presentation, was that um, the average people are looking for good information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really are. I think that's one of those things that we can... Tell local lag teachers and, and people that want to do things locally is share the story, provide factual, good sound information, and, and, and people are really looking for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. But we have to make it fun and yeah. funny yeah. and interesting. Well, it's, it's a, so much of our time seems is spent playing defense. We're waiting until yeah. somebody comes up or says something or attacks us. We need to do, as you're saying, and really struck home today was we need to do a better job of telling our story mm -hmm. and really remembering. I mean, I've done this all the time. I grew up on a farm. We raised cattle. We raised hogs. We do all this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is what we do. And so I start, when I explain to somebody else, I start at like step 17 rather than starting back at step one mm -hmm. to walk them back all exactly. the way through that thing. And when somebody asks a question, I go, well, you just don't know anything. Here's, you know, surely everybody knows this thing. Yeah, no, they don't. And, and that's what's so interesting mm -hmm. about it is we, we tend to talk egg to one another. And I have to say, you guys, people don't know what ag is. The average person doesn't know that ag is short for agriculture, you know? So I, I, I'm bringing a problem to the farm big, okay? I live in a very um, urban, liver, around Raleigh, in a neighborhood, a massive neighborhood with lots of tech-type families, right? Not farmers. So the other day on our social media post, one of the families that's pretty active in the community, everyone knows, made this post of, I just can't believe these baby calves that are being kept in crates, this is horrific, on the community Facebook post. And then this whole post just started going and going and going. And their son and our son is friends, you know, like they don't know we're from a farm. And so my wife and I are both from farms and we're like, what do we do? Like, do we get on there? Do we talk to her specifically? And, like, my wife and I are like, we feel the need to, like, go out in the front yard and host an information <laughs> session about what our farms, like, I fed bottle calves, hundreds of them. Uh -huh. We had hundreds of them, and I uh -huh. fed them personally. Yeah. And I had names for them, and I loved them, and they were happy. And the little houses kept them perfectly safe in the winter. And 
So what would be your take? What, what should I do in that neighborhood at that moment? When you see a post online about calves and crates, well, where's the source? Like, I'd be curious to see what was the source what and why and how, where was the picture taken, in what context, from when and where. Because anybody can take any picture and post it. And I found that's happened. Now, you're from North Carolina. Rumor has it. I heard, you can correct me if I'm wrong or not. I have heard that some of the pictures in the media after Hurricane Florence were actually old, outdated pictures mm. from, like, a different storm from, like, the 90s or something. So, and, and I heard that from a couple guys at Smithfield, right? So they're saying, oh, no, we know that picture. That's not from this storm. So, yeah, anybody can post a picture, but for all we know, that picture could have come from Thailand. I mean, mm. you know what I mean? So where was it taken? And if they can't provide the actual source of the photo, then it's like, I mean, pics or it didn't happen, but it's like, what's the expression? Like, right. believe none of what you see and half of what you hear or whatever. Yeah. What is it? Maybe I got that yeah. fast backwards. I don't know. I think it sounded perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that's the whole thing. So then where is it from? So then if they come up with a source, um, if you, you know, in agriculture, we're such a small world. You can probably find someone, a friend of a friend of a friend who somehow knows somebody in that area mm-hmm. and just verify what's going on. And is, is that really how it's done? Because you Chances are, if, and I don't, I mean, we don't know, right? It, it, at this, at this mm-hmm. context of this conversation, we do not know if that's how those calves are raised. Um, but it's crazy if though. If they like, are, why? And what you're describing, if you're a high school principal, you are sounding like an English teacher's, like they're clapping and jumping and screaming right now. Because, <laughs> like, from an educator's perspective, I hope ag <laughs> teachers are hearing, like, Look for credibility of the source. Mm-hmm. Determine the facts of the case. And so, you know, this idea that we've got to be skeptical when we read, and we've got to read with a skeptical mind, mm-hmm. look for facts, look for data, mm-hmm. and know that in today's world, we aren't in Encyclopedia Britannica anymore, right. right? In today's world, anyone can put knowledge into the atmosphere. Exactly. And so you have to be a smart consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think showing our ag students... And not giving them opinion. Like at one point, Val Bay said, she, you know, somebody said, I lie to my students. It was at that conference. And I lie to my students because I don't want them to know. I want them to have to assess what I'm saying. Oh, I want them to have to practice the skill of to call her you're, out. you're feeding me bull. Or, yeah. No, that's legit. So like creating this ability within our students to consume well yeah. information would, I think, help in a million different ways. Oh, yeah, for sure. One of those things that you talked about today, too, was um, that uh, you got to think about what uh, those individuals or those companies are trying to achieve when they're making those statements and putting things out and mm-hmm. the and trying for us to be able to contextualize it from time to time. So you were talking about, you know, a lot of it is marketing ploys for them and ways to generate funds and resources and what have you. So um, as a result of that, um, we start thinking about, the analogy that you used that I thought it was from a marketing standpoint, I thought was effective was that, you know, for a long time, everybody said that sex sells mm-hmm. and that's what we need, how we need to advertise and market and raise funds. Well, you had another analogy related to this that sells today. So you want to talk a little bit about. Oh, that, that fear, fear. Fear is the new sex. Yes. When it comes to marketing, fear is the new sex. Yeah. Everybody knows sex sells, sex mm-hmm. sells. That's been said for decades, you know? Um, but now everybody's kind of, Everybody knows that. So now we have to get it in the mind. Fear sells. Now everybody has to know that. 
it's kind of like everybody knows natural. Everybody says, oh, natural, that doesn't mean anything on a food label. It's like, yeah, you're right, good job. Well, actually, I mean, it kind of does. I know we used to sell natural beef, and it couldn't have any hormones, but whatever. <laughs> but, um, but you know, neither here nor there at the point when you're talking about, like, uh, a lot of food labels, you know, mm-hmm. when, when people buy... And it's like if somebody wants to buy organic or grow organic, that's fine, whatever. But um, but it still uses pesticides, and that's mm-hmm. just a fact. So if people are buying organic because they mean they think it means pesticide free, and that is that is an, a that is a label based on a lie. Mm-hmm. Then if people say, "Holy crap!" You know, what else am I being lied to? And that's really what started my whole platform is mm-hmm. because I thought, "Wait a minute, why was I spending all this money?" And it doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Like, what do you mean I didn't have to spend extra money on hormone-free chicken? Like, I thought chickens were just a pump full of hormones and antibiotics and factory farms because I watched Food Inc. and I was an expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see this trend here. Yes. Yeah. But, but, but see, but the people that produce that and the people that are funding the anti-GMO movement and funding these fear campaigns and funding Food Inc., um, you know, they spent $2 million put, putting that movie out there. So... I'd like to see more funding going to, uh, yes, proactive and not reactive, but in a uh, mainstream Hulu celebrity Netflix 2019 social media influencer way. We need to have industry and financials to back that, though. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to to see that happen and get some good people behind it. But we've got to we've got to work with people outside of our industry too because yeah. I'll be damned if we keep doing these videos that are like jangly guitar, my dad was a farmer, my grandpa was oh you don't say. I'm shocked. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's beautiful and yeah. we love it. We love our family farmers. All the farmers are like clapping. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's so wonderful. <laughs> and, then every, and then everybody else is like tuning out after yeah. twenty seconds. Yeah. Right? Because we have to come up with the fight fire with fire a little bit. Like what works yeah. You know what? What's worked in our industry is you got like the Peterson Farm Brothers, which are hilarious. You've got the nut milking video. You've got the all natural, non GMO, gluten free internet video that was done with Funny or Die, which is Will Ferrell's company. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's what we works. need. A Will yeah. friggin' Ferrell. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We have a Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall's funny. Dress <laughs> him up as a chicken. <laughs> are you okay. gonna be like? Are you gonna be like the anchorman of agriculture? <laughs> Yeah. Could be, I guess. That's right. They might say I already made stupid mistakes. <laughs> so to wrap this up, tell uh, actors. You're kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> she knows you pretty well. Right? You're right. Yeah. I think this microphone smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> we're out. I love it. Yeah. Teams, we're done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so tell ag teachers where to find you, how to engage with your stuff and your right. work, and. Um, that way they, they can find your stuff. Absolutely. I am Michelle Miller at thefarmbabe.com, and you can find Farm Babe on Facebook, or my handle is at thefarmbabe on Instagram, Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> can we edit that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Twitter. Oh, my goodness. Instagram. Instagram, which, I, which okay, we're going to change the subject. Instagram with my with my slips here. Insta-lamb. I call it hashtag insta-lamb with my lambs and sheep all over it. Um, but, uh, yeah, YouTube, any of those channels at all, um, you can find uh, The Farm Babe on farmbabe.com. And oh, I'm also a columnist on agdaily.com. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. I think this is our biggest celebrity podcast. This is it. awesome. 
So we really appreciate your time. And ag teachers, you've got an advocate here. Um, you've got a person that's fighting the same fights you are and can help us see the perspective from a person from L.A. that is now on a farm and understanding that diverse perspective that sometimes those in ag don't have. Well, and that we can change minds, and sometimes when you change a mind, it becomes one of your biggest advocates. Yeah. So we can do it. We just got to do a lot more of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks cool. for having me. Yeah. Thanks for Thank time. From the Outpellet crew, it's been a great critical conversation. Um, check this out. Check out Outpellets on the Facebook page. Um, lots of resources there, so we appreciate you engaging. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers. <laughs>